0: Butter, Butter Podcast. Uh, my name is Brecklin and I'm here with a very special guest. Welcome to Sonny Honnold. What what do you go fully by? I noticed that you have a couple. So Sonny McCandless Honold, is that
1: yeah, my I know. It's funny, my mom and I always joke about how names are hard in our family. Like we all have so many different names, but my full name is Cassandra. Okay and I go by Sonny, and my maiden name is McCandless, but I just switched to Honold, which was a super hard decision. I don't know how many people out there have struggled with the name change decision. It took me a full year to decide to do it,
0: but yes, so I go by Sonny Honnold. Okay, I love it, and I actually will, I'm going to validate you there, because changing your last name after you get married is, like, emotional. It's emotional. is like, a big step. I don't know what it is, but I was the same way. I remember I had my name changed, and I was like, oh my gosh, like,
1: I don't know. Oh, I I, I was telling my husband, I was like, no, no. Like if you think marriage was committing, it was changing my name that showed my commitment to you and our family unit. Like <laughs> that was the big step, the piece of paper or whatever,
0: but the name change that was committing. I'm never going to undo that. <laughs> Absolutely. So just to kind of give my listeners a background, I've given you a little bit of background already, but Like most people, I watched Free Solo. Um, I was probably 19 years old, um, so a couple years ago. And I remember I was with my now husband and my now brother and sister-in-law, and we left. And obviously, we were like, okay, Alex is amazing. Like, he is, like, next level. That was crazy. But then in the car, most of what we talked about was you. We were like, okay, Sonny is, like, next level cool. Like, she is... (laughs) Amazing, and my little kind of like nineteen year old self, I was like, I just want to talk to her. Like, I just would love to sit down and get her perspective and have a little bit of a girl chat. And obviously, did not have a podcast, so it's been so amazing to be like, okay, now we are we're chatting. So I just appreciate it so much, and I just would want I want to get to get know you better. So tell us a little bit about who you are, where you grew up, what kind of kid you were. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to say, nice work on your manifesting. You oh, had you. a
1: desire, and you made it happen, which is such an incredible tool to have in your toolbox to just be able to say, "Hey, these are the things I want in life, and I'm going to make them happen." So that's awesome. Thank you. Um, about me and go. So I I like to say I'm a child of two coasts. I grew up half in Washington State on in, in the Pacific Northwest, and half in North Carolina in Chapel Hill, Durham area, and I think that being a child, like anybody who's, who's dealt with like a huge move, you know, right before middle school, like that anytime between like 10 and 14 knows that like, this is a big part of your childhood story. Um, Mm -hmm. because moves and big transitions like that when you're young are a big deal and to uproot your life and your friends and have to get used to a totally different culture and community can be, um, It's just like quite the childhood landmark. And so um, I think a lot of my personality comes from the fact that I had to kind of make life work in two very different cultures and that ability to kind of fit in, you know, kind of to become that chameleon, right? And the interesting thing about becoming a chameleon is that you have to figure out how do I, how do I connect and build community with people who are totally different than me and kind of fit in? while also staying true to myself and being me throughout and having that sort of um, foundation of authenticity throughout being a chameleon. And so I think that was, um, that was kind of my childhood learning how to find that, that place where I was like, I can, I can kind of make anything work. And, but I have this through line of myself throughout. Um, and so when I was, when I graduated from UNC Chapel Hill, I decided to move back to the West coast. I, I, moved to the Seattle area. I had family there it's, it's that's still in Washington. Uh, I took up my, took up rock climbing. My sister taught me how to rock climb, started going on some of my first, you know, well, I'll say, so my family was always outdoorsy growing up, but once I went to college, once I was kind of more on my own, I, I lost some of that. I didn't really know how to make it happen on my own. It was sort of something I did with my family or didn't do. And so in Seattle, I kind of reclaimed this sort of more, quote unquote, outdoorsy side of myself. And I started being like, "Okay, I'm going to go on a backpacking trip and I'm going to plan it. I have to figure out where to park and the permits that I need and where I'm going to camp and how to read the trail maps and get the right gear and borrow it from all my friends. And um, so I started kind of uh, diving into this other side of myself. And, uh, it was during that time that I met Alex. Uh, he was on a book tour in Washington, or well, he was on a book tour and I met him in Seattle and we just hit it off right away. Our connection was super strong right from the beginning. And we really wanted to make it work. I wanted to, I wanted to kind of make enough money to pay off my student loans and then basically like take some time off. That was like my big dream and goal at the time. So um, I did that. I paid off my student loans, and I and we decided to you know I decided to quit my job and uh, become a little bit more transient for a bit. And he and I lived in the van for a year. He climbed, sold El Cap. Um, the film came out. These were like some big transformative years. And now I'm I have a one year old. We have a one year old daughter together, and we live part of the year in Las Vegas and the other part of the year usually on the road and I'm a life coach. I do life in transition coaching and still
0: getting outside a lot. That's amazing. And that's just like, I don't know, that's such a journey. And I think it's so interesting just, you know, kind of going way back to, um, you kind of describe yourself as a chameleon. I'm so interesting because like you said, it is such a double-edged sword to be able to fit into all these different environments. And at the same time, being able to really kind of maintain your sense of self as like, this is who I am. You know, these are my boundaries. These are the things that I'm okay and not okay with. So I'm so curious what your transition and kind of journey was like after you met Alex. Um, Clearly, he was a guy that like knew what he was about. Like, Mm -hmm. I I can't imagine that you spend much time with him before you realize you're like, okay, this is who he is. This is what's important to him. Like, Mm -hmm. he just seems like his own guy. How was that kind of like, I mean, at what point were you like, oh, he's literally having a documentary made about him? Like, is this who I am now? Or is this, do you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Well, I used to describe, I used to tell Alex, I was like, your life is like a tsunami, right? Like there is so much energy moving in one certain direction that you've created and designed for yourself. And it's amazing. Like, you know what you want and you're going after it full force. And I was in, you know, my early twenties, which is this time period when you you don't have that. You're deciding what that looks like for you. You're like, what direction do I want to go? What do I like? What do I care about? When I don't have the rigidity of a school schedule or the routine of whatever my parents do, like who am I when I'm on my own? And I think I was just my biggest strength was not that I knew how to figure it out, but just that I was simply aware of it, that I was like, he has a very clear life direction. I'm building mine. I mm-hmm. want to, you know, co-create to a degree, but it's most important that I find my own path right now. And so it's, again, that, that fine line, right, of being like, I, I don't want to, I want to stay open to compromises because I want to, you know, really consider building a life with you. And I can't get lost in your tsunami. Like this is the most important time for me to figure out who I am. So, um, that was like a daily choice, right? You know, sometimes I would meet his friends and there'd be this inclination to be like, well, I should just be friends with his friends. But there was this whole community around his life. And I was like, you know, there's people in this community that I'm really driving with. I'm going to seek out those friendships. They're still in this outdoor community. Oftentimes Mm -hmm. people he knew, but it's the people that I connected with, um, Or just deciding what to do on a daily basis. You know, some days it'd be like, yeah, you want to go there? Let's go climbing there. I'm happy to support you. And then being like, hey, these are my priorities for the week. Like, this is what I want to try and do. This is what I'm comfortable with or what I'm excited by. And so it's like on a daily basis doing that check-in of like, how much am I compromising? How much am I getting on your train? And how much am I figuring out for myself what I want and trusting my gut? And I think we, we continue to do that. You know, like when you have kids, you start that process all over again, of uh, yeah. finding your own path while balancing someone else's needs
0: and desires. Exactly. And I, when I kind of think about relationships and about marriage and just like kind of any intimate relationship, it almost seems like you have like two paths. Ideally, in my head, this is the perfect world. You have two paths and they're next to each other, but they kind of wind off and in and out. And they're still kind of parallel, but you're still on your own path. Was that kind of like a difficult thing to kind of stand your ground by? Because I imagine that, you know, when, when you're at the level that you're having a documentary made about you, you probably benefit from a very one-track mind, right? Like that is conducive to performance. How was it to kind of like maintain those boundaries to be like, okay, I'm doing this either by myself or you're going to go do this by yourself. Like, how was that?
1: You know, we... I think we always had every relationship like has its tough parts and I have always been a very decisive person. Actually, something that Alex and I have in common is that we're both really decisive people. Like I like to say we live by the motto, strong opinions loosely held. So we are willing to change our mind, but until we change our minds, like we have our opinions and our decisiveness. And so I kind of came into that relationship being really Clear in my own heart about what I wanted, and not that it was always easy, but that wasn't necessarily our struggle. I think Alex was also really good at being like, You know, this is only going to work if you are your own person. <laughs> like, I want you to be your own person. How can I support you in being your own person? And um, I found coaching at that time. I realized I really wanted to be a coach, and so that was just kind of I had my projects and things that I was working on that were totally for me. And I think that really helped. I think lifestyle wise, you know, just more of the daily basis of like, how do we make decisions about where we're going to go next and where we're going to plant roots and things like that. Those things definitely took some hard conversations and, and that's ultimately usually just what it was. It was just the willingness to sit down and to say, what are you looking for? Here's what I'm looking for. What are your fears about this? Here are my fears about this. What are your desires? What are my desires? And just being willing to have those, those conversations. But you know, that honestly, that whole time period in my mind, like the hardest part about it was just being in the public eye. Like that was such a like blinding. I hadn't just did not really realize what was going to happen. And anytime somebody else tells your story, it's Incredibly difficult because it's not the way you would tell it. And so, for me, actually, as such a like communication freak where I'm like, I want to communicate perfectly, it was so hard to not have any control over like how my story was told. And that was like a very personal journey for me. Like, I had to figure out my relationship with that. <clears throat> and Alex was, of course, supportive. Um, but that was kind of like that time period in my mind. I'm like, Oh, you know, like Alex is there as my support. But like what I was really dealing with was so personal at that time of, of letting go of being like, I have to stop caring as much what people think about me and know that like, I am not in control of this narrative. And so I just have to accept that and and only focus on the people and like in my immediate you know like what do my family think of me what do my friends think of me what does my partner think of me and just totally narrow down my um my frame of reference um so yeah it was like a really interesting time period like looking back I'm
0: like I'm amazed we survived that <laughs> I can't imagine I really can't and like I mean I think about the anxiety that I get doing something like posting on Instagram, or starting a podcast, you know, releasing, you do relinquish a certain degree of control to how people perceive you. Um, Obviously, not, not near the scale of being in like an Oscar winning documentary as a major, major, like, part of the whole story. Um, What, speaking of like fear, I just I think of these kind of couple years in your life, and I'm trying to imagine processing the fear of entering into the public eye. Um, and then the fear of being in a relationship where you fear for their life all the time. And it's just like standard. I just, what were you doing like day in and day out to be like, okay, we're good. I'm okay. Like, I can do this. What was that process? Or just have you like blocked it out? I
1: feel like, I just, like
0: <laughs> I'm sure there's parts of it I've blocked out. You know,
1: I. Well, I'll kind of tackle each of those things separately. So the fear the fear of Alex dying was it wasn't there every day. I mean a lot most of the training that Alex did to free solo cap was on a rope and he was attached mm-hmm. to the mountain, working moves, dialing stuff in. And, you know, he did a lot of soloing to prepare for it too. And on those days I might feel more nervous or anxious, but I think in the end, actually the the lesson was the same that I had to ultimately like let go, right? Like there was nothing I could do. Like once Alex was on the wall, the outcome was gonna happen no matter how much I spent, no matter how much time I spent thinking about it or wondering about it or worrying about it, like that was happening. And so it was kind of just that feeling of, okay, like let's just get to the end of the day and, you know, assume that things are gonna be fine until I hear otherwise. Um, but I do think that that's, like, you know, most days weren't dangerous activities. Most days were just training, like, anybody would train. Um, well, anybody would train, so, you know, to a degree, obviously. in Yosemite rock climbing, so it's a little different. But, um, and then, you know, being in the public eye was just this, again, I think it was, like, surrendering, right? Like, it's, like, it's happening whether I stress and worry about it or not. So, kind of that level of acceptance around that. And um and you know, I, I kind of joke with Alex, like I make, it, you know, we made it through that. We can make it through anything. Like I think it's about mm-hmm. recognizing like, oh, this is gonna be a hard time period in our life for a lot of reasons. It's also gonna be amazing. Like there's gonna be some really cool upsides and amazing experiences. And it's about having gratitude for that part, but also it's gonna be really hard. And if we can get through this, We can get through anything, you know, I'm sure that's not totally true, but like I do, I do actually still feel that way. I felt like we built up this foundation with each other. We invested, you know, invested in each other and invested in being like, okay, we got to, we got to get through the hard moments so that now when hard things come our way, we feel, we don't feel so shaken by it or as nervous Mm -hmm. about it. Like we know we can handle some tough things. But I'm such a like communication person that for me, it was just, I used to coach Alex. I'd be like, okay, Alex, it basically doesn't matter what I say. All I need you to say is I hear you saying this, repeat back what I've said. And it's understandable that you feel that way. And I told him, I was like, you don't have to say I understand why you feel that way. You don't have to get it. You just have to say, it's understandable that I feel that way. And that was like a really helpful tool for us during that time was to just be like, I need to be able to be able to say all this. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to get it off my chest. And all I need is that you can hear me and acknowledge that it's fine. And then we can move on. And Mm -hmm. um, that's like, you know, that's a strategy we still employ today because it's, Your partner's not always going to understand why you feel a certain way. And that has to be okay. And it has to be okay that they feel that way.
0: I love that. And just kind of like backing up to when you kind of started to become in the public eye, you know, I kind of think about the two of you and, you know, Alex was doing his thing. You were doing your thing, both really, really stretching yourself, right? In all of these different ways. Was there ever a point that you were like, I can't do this? Like, or was there ever a part point where you realized like, Okay, this is huge. Like this is a big, big deal. Or was it just so gradual that you just it kind of happened and now you look back and you're like, oh, that was like a,
1: a really big deal? There were a lot of sort of like breaking point moments where there was like a lot of stress or anxiety. And in those moments you're often like, Oh my god, I don't know how I'm gonna get through the rest of today or how I'm gonna get through this week. Um and then, you know, it's kind of like all hard things where you wake up and like well it's a new day i guess i'm going to go about my day and i think there's some there's some peace to be found in that right that no matter how hard it gets like the sun is going to rise again tomorrow and and i can't control that And actually, I can find some solace in it. that, like the world will continue to move forward. And all of this is just such a blip in the eye in the grand scheme of the human experience. Like I think it's actually a really good reminder of like perspective, right? Like in the moment, it feels so big. Um, It feels so huge. It feels so vulnerable. But you're like, you know, in two years, you're going to look back and you'll be like, yeah, that was hard. But like, here's this other thing I'm working on now. And life moves on. And I do a lot of, you know, career and transition coaching. So I work with people who want to start their own companies or apply for a totally different career or move to a different side of the country. And there's usually those moments where you're like, this is too vulnerable. Like, I can't do it. And and just being able to say like, yes, it's totally scary right now. And tomorrow the sun's going to rise and you're going to keep taking those baby steps. You know, like just because we have the fear or the uncertainty or the doubt doesn't mean we have to do anything differently. We can just acknowledge that it's there and keep moving forward. And there was a lot of that during that time, just being like acknowledging that it was hard and then continuing to move
0: forward. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of strength to be found in like the ability to trust yourself and learning to trust that you are still safe, like, within your own discomfort. Um, So kind of moving past discomfort, um, yeah, I would love any perspective that you have on kind of the power of having passion within a marriage or a relationship or any kind of close relationship, because that's something I've really appreciated watching in you is, you know, Alex has his thing, and you have just gone after your own thing. And helped other women do it. And I just think it's so beautiful. And I would just love to hear you speak to it. Yeah.
1: So it sounds like your question is around how do you maintain your own fire in a relationship? Is that is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Especially when one of the partners has, I don't know. I think a lot of times as women especially, we might have a partner um, that has... You know, maybe it's a career, or maybe it's a passion. And I think sometimes as women, our inclination is to kind of shrink back and to let that be the bigger thing in our relationship is their passion or their goals. You know, whether you're moving for a career or you are working and putting someone through school or whatever it is, I just have really appreciated watching your relationship and what you guys have done. And obviously there's a lot of give and take, it's never 50-50, but I just think you've been such an advocate for that. And I think people need that. And especially I think women need that. Mm -hmm. So
1: I think, I think the thing that I have to remind myself of the most is that like my happiness is my responsibility and no one else's. There is no one who is in charge of my life. And for that, I'm really grateful. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's a good thing. Ultimately. And it's that reminder that no one's gonna swoop in and make sure that my needs are getting met, or read my mind and know what I need, or look into my heart and read my palm and tell me the the passion that's gonna fill me up, right? Like it's my responsibility to take care of my needs. And if and if my needs aren't being met, if my passions aren't being honored or my hobbies aren't getting any time, that's ultimately on me in every way, right? Like if I'm choosing a relationship where my partner doesn't respect my hobbies and passions, again, on me, I'm choosing that relationship. So if I'm choosing a relationship where, um, somebody is really active in supporting my, you know, my hobbies and desires and they're not happening still on me, right? Like, okay, then I have to look at what I'm doing. Right. But like, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, it's my responsibility, and there's some kind of like intensity to that where I think it's like, I think it's like easier to feel like it's everyone else's like responsibility to make sure that he needs money, But I think if we can move past the sort of intensity of it and be like, wait, I don't want to be responsible for my own life. And we can just sort of accept that there's actually a lot of freedom in that. It can be so rewarding. And, and then it just becomes it's kind of that, I like to use this metaphor where I'm like, I'm driving the car. You're like, no one else is driving the car. I'm driving the car. If the car goes right, it's because I went right. If the car goes left, it's because I went left. So if my life is suddenly going in a direction where none of my needs are being met and I feel like disconnected from my passion, I drove the car that way and I can turn it a different way. Like there's also a lot of freedom in knowing that like basically... All decisions this isn't totally true, but most decisions are irre- are reversible or changeable. We can always change our mind again, to some degree, this isn't true, like maybe with like physical things, right? but for most directions about like life change, or life direction or how I spend my time, like we can change our mind. We can go get a different job or move to a different place. Am I saying it's going to be easy? No. Um, but is it possible? Yes. And so with, you know, I think in my relationship, what I, you know, if I notice that my needs aren't being met, then I investigate it personally first. And sometimes it does mean like sitting down with my partner and saying, hey, you know, like, what are your priorities for the week? Okay, great. Here are my priorities for the week. I have noticed that it's been kind of hard to fit my priorities in. Can you support me in making sure that this happens this week? And it's always that two weeks two-way street, right? But you know, like ultimately we have to find partners that are going to be part of that give and take. And then again, turn to ourselves to decide. What is it I want to make time for? Now, I think most people, like when I coach people, I find that the biggest thing is not that they're unwilling to make the time for a passion, is that it's that they're unclear about what their passions are. So what happens is you're like, well, I don't really know what I'm passionate about, so I'll just do what you like doing because that's easy and fun and brings you a lot of joy. And I think that can work to a degree. And also, it's great to have shared hobbies and passions with the people in your life. And... I would encourage people, if they're in that position, to take the time to prototype other things. You know, we won't know if something lights us up until we try. And, you know, find a way to prototype it that's easy and fast and cheap. You know, like, if you are thinking that writing might be a passion, don't set the goal to write a book. See if you like having a gratitude journal first or something. If you think that having a podcast is something that you might be interested in, start interviewing your friends over lunch and see if you like doing it, right? But find ways to prototype things and check them out and throw a wide net at first and then narrow it down. Because if you only rely on the people around you's passions, I think ultimately you will find um you will find yourself a bit wanting and if you do end up liking what your partner likes make sure you like it for your reasons and in your ways like i had to develop my own relationship with climbing that was totally separate from alex when i started climbing and is climbing one of my biggest passions absolutely but do i have a different relationship to it than alex yes would i be happy if i did it the way he did it no Mm
0: -hmm. yeah does that kind of answer your question yeah no Absolutely. I love just, we need more like women's voices saying, I have needs, I can fill them, I deserve to fill them, it's normal that I have needs, it's normal Mm -hmm. that I want more, and yeah, I I guess I just, I really, really appreciated you for that, and I've loved, you know, from a very, very far distance, watching your relationship, watching your journey as a mother, Um, how has that kind of changed change the game I know you have a one-year-old how how's that been
1: thank you for asking uh it's I mean I like my favorite thing to say about motherhood is I'm like motherhood's a trip you know <laughs> like it's a <laughs> it's, it's a trip who knew um which is to say that it's everything like it, there's no like one line answer about motherhood um if you decide to do it, like it will, it is absolutely different for everyone. Like what's hard for me will not be hard for someone else. What's easy for me will not be easy for someone else. The parts I love will not be what someone else loves. The parts that I hate, you know, so, but the thing that I really do feel is that I have a lot of love in my life right now. And, um, we have, you know, we've definitely made changes in our lifestyle to a degree. And also we do try to hold on to the things that keep us sane and keep us us while having June and while having a child. Um, And I think like, you know, I think, there's a lot of privilege in that like we're able to have childcare sometimes and that really helps be able to go climbing some days or work or keep our jobs and so you know that's that's not that doesn't look the same for everyone but i do think finding a way to honor your own needs um yeah to honor your own needs in the midst of the chaos is like it's like a it's a life skill that becomes like even more important um or even more critical i think when you're taking care of a young one But I, like, one of the things, like, one of my big takeaways is that, you know, I think, and especially in American society, there's, like, things that we sort of put on a pedestal, right? Like, we're, like, vacations, right? Like, you save money so you can go on vacations or, like, fancy cars. Like, you save money so you can have a nice car. And I'm, like, oh, my gosh, we should be having a totally different dialogue for parenthood. Like, I think, you know, we should be valuing taking, putting money towards having help and support as parents, like getting childcare or daycare or whatever it is. And, you know, I think, and especially in American society, this can raise lots of flags. People are like, I don't want someone else to raise my child. And I'm like, wow, there's such a gray area here where you can get even 10 hours of support a week or five or 15 hours of support a week that can be life-changing and feeling like yourself um that we should be valuing and that should be just as important you know like if i'm like oh my god i saved up money so that you know i could have childcare this week that should be celebrated just as much as i saved up money so that i could go on this vacation right like i think it's just that language around being like you know and this is also a fact of our society that we don't have um daycare or you know kindergarten built into what we get as citizens and that's like Maybe something that will change one day, but until then, um yeah, just like it's it's a great lesson in continuing to be like asking for help, asking for support, um and I that that can be tricky and hard, but it's super important, I think, anyway, that was again like kind of a like a rambling thought, but yeah, like when you talk about how do we stay ourselves, how do we find those passions, how do we ask for what we need, um Parents can't be parents 100% of the time because they're still themselves underneath. So it's about finding that balance.
0: That's beautiful. And I've I've actually, like, I've had those thoughts in my head but never really been able to, like, verbalize them. And so I love just that approach of, like, can we change our expectations and can we change, like, our idea of what successful parenthood looks like? Mm -hmm. And if we did, like, would we all be a little less scared of it? You know what I mean? Like, would it be more like approachable and something that we're not as afraid of? Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I love that idea. Just kind of before we wrap up, I would love for you to give, this is one of my favorite questions for all my guests, um, your best advice or something you would say the best way to empower a woman in your life. Okay.
1: Um, mm,
0: that's a great question. I think
1: I think one of my favorite questions, and ideally this is like a two-way street, right? Like everybody's asking it to everybody so that everybody gets asked, is just how can I support you? And it's such a simple way to to check in with someone about like what's really going on and what they really might need in that moment. And sometimes our forms of support are really drilled in. We're like, oh, support looks like giving advice or support looks like, X, Y, Z. And the real thing is that we don't always know what support looks like for someone. Uh, For one person, it might be, I just need you to like, listen and give me a hug. And for another person, it might be like, I want you to like, hold me accountable and take me to yoga class once a week. For someone else, it might be like, come over and like cook a meal with me. And just knowing how we can support each other is so helpful to to empowering ourselves and the people around us. Like I really do believe in like lifting each other up type of attitude, you know, and and a lot of that too, is p- paying attention to our own competitive tendencies. Like I'm actually not a super competitive person, but just the, even the desire to compare can be there. And I'm just like, you know what? Women are amazing. And look at all these things that we do and these achievements. And I want to support and lift up the women around me and that is ultimately my goal and like always what I want to come back to so just like having that thought in the back of our heads of like celebrating wins and not getting caught up in a scarcity mindset around what sort of you know that success is maybe limited to certain people right it's about like the the saying I think is the rising tide raises all ships that like with one success we're all lifted
0: Mm -hmm. I love that thank you And then just one last thing, I would love if you just wanted to shout out your business um, so people can go check it out if they'd like.
1: Yeah, well, so actually, so I work as a one-on-one life coach, um, but I actually don't do so much of that anymore. What I primarily do now is I'm the co-founder of a company called Outwild, which I started Mm -hmm. with my friends, Courtney and Jeremy. And Outwild hosts retreats for people who want to create more outdoor value-driven lifestyles. And our retreats are a combination of yoga and workshops and keynotes and always outdoor recreation in some form or another. And they're just really fun. And it's a great way to find community, to connect, to reflect on your life, to think about what you love about your life and to think about what you might want to do differently in your life and to go home feeling sort of fired up to create the changes that you want. And yeah, so it's called, you can go to outwild.co to learn more. Uh, We have three retreats coming up this year. So if you're interested, you can find all the information there.
0: And they look amazing. I was looking into them a little bit and I was like, okay, this is like...
1: You should come,
0: Brecklin. It is a blast. It really oh, is. it looks so, so fun. I might just have to do that. I'll have to grab a girlfriend and we'll come. Yes, or come
1: alone <laughs> too. I will say the people who come alone make the most friends.
0: That is actually, that would be like, Stretching me way out of my comfort zone, but that is probably, <laughs> probably what I need. Mean. It is. It's great. You know, you it's know what?
1: Amazing. Most people show up alone, and I think it's like so scary to show up, but it's mm-hmm. scary for like 20 minutes. And then you're like, oh, cool. I met this one person on the bus, and they're my buddy. And then by the end of the day, I know 30
0: people. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, I'll definitely be linking all of that info in the show notes for anyone else interested. Maybe we can go together. Um, and that is it for today. So thank you so, so much for coming on, and we're just excited to kind of watch you and see what you do next. Uh, With Breck, and thank you so much for having me.
1: Props to you again for, you know, going out there and putting yourself out into the world. I love seeing this. I love seeing women doing what they want to be doing, um, asking such thoughtful questions and finding ways to support other women. So thank you for having me. It was truly an honor.
0: Thank you, thank you. And for everyone else listening, if you want to go ahead and rate and review the podcast. I will see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye.